Father, we just give you thanks just for everything that you have done. Thank you that you're with us from before we're breathing air until after we're breathing air. In fact, uh, this morning, <laughs> this morning I was reminded, even downstairs, Jesus promised that if we believe in him, that even if we die, we continue to live. Thus, we have everlasting life. In fact, in one, in one part, in phenomenal ways, he who partakes of me will never die. And the people that heard that were like, what is he talking about? This guy is crazy. And yet today we know in part, thank you for the hope that is in Christ. When we're on top of the mountains and enjoying life and in those lowest valleys, when you're shepherding us through dark seasons of the soul, we give you thanks, our creator God, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so day one theme. That's what this is all about today. The day one theme of VBS. So this was Monday night. Vacation Bible School was all about like making stuff. So we were like inventions and creative people and everything. My son, when he was younger, I think when he was, he, he enjoyed it this week too. You liked it, right, bud? Did you have a good time this week? Yeah. So uh, he had a good time this week. But when he was younger, he was always making stuff. He was like one of those kids. Maybe you've had those that they didn't really care what was in the box. They wanted the box. You know, it was like, take the thing out and give me the box because I need to make something. I mean, there were sometimes we have a, we, outside of our house, we have a sidewalk. You know, it's a really cool community. There's like a sidewalk. It goes everywhere. And there were many times, I, he was like making trailer after trailer after trailer and then hooking it up onto like cars and stuff, like power wheels, trying to drag them. So there's all these boxes put together, right? Taped together, bungee cords, stuff's hanging off, you know, it's flying into people's yards and everything as he's trying to drive it. Oh, it broke! And he's always calling on mom because I can't fix stuff. And he's like, mom, it's broke again. You need to help me. Uh, one of my favorite, one of my absolute favorite years for Christmas, I am not kidding, this actually really happened. This is a true story, uh, and he'll attest to this. So, we're coming up. I can't even remember how old he is. I'm like, hey, bud, what do you want for Christmas this year? What is it that you're really interested in? And he's like, well, I only want two things, Dad. And I'm like, really, what is that? I want duct tape and matches. That's all I want for Christmas. <laughs> duct tape and matches. No video games, no computers, no cell phones, no, just duct tapes and matches. I've never seen so many different types of duct tape that year. Like, he got boxes of duct tape. And it, it was all about, like, his inventive, creative nature, right? Building stuff, making stuff. And, and when you think about it, when you get back to the text of, of the scriptures, it's really that we're reflecting who God is in his creative ways. We have these things that are built into us. So our day one theme of BBS was that God made you. The theme verse was right out of Psalm 139. Verse 14, thank you, Lord, for making me so wonderfully complex. Actually, there are some days, I will be honest with you, I've actually told the Lord, I'm like, you could have made me a little bit less complex because I'm all like happy about this and sad about that. And then, you know, one second I'm up here and the next second I'm down here and I'm like, I'm way too complex. You know what I'm talking about? Like when I do, you know, when you swing, 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 all over the place. God made us. All right, so point number one today, and I don't, have a, I don't have an outline today, sorry, really busy, but hopefully in the next weeks I'll try and build one. I might even build one for this too. I just didn't have time to do it this weekend. So point number one is that, here it is, ready? No surprises here. God made everything. 
He made it all. He actually, like there's nothing that exists, both visible and invisible, that the Lord did not make. All right, you got to help me now, right? You're going to help me out? I need you to engage with me a little bit. All right, Genesis 1-1. Let's try and quote it together. If you need, you can turn your, you can turn to your Bible if you want to. Otherwise, we're just going to try and quote it together. Ready? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? He made it all. All right, I'm going to do something really weird. I don't really typically do this. By the way, I don't normally play hymns when I, when I sing. It's not because I don't love them. I absolutely do. They're just too complex. I am simple when it comes to, to music, so it's like three chords. But grab a hymnal really quick, okay? Grab a hymnal. And then open up your hymnal to number 716. This is going to be fun. 716. It's not even really a hymn. It's been a little while since we've done this one. 716. All the way in the back. It's like way back here, right? I only have like that much left in my hymnal. It's a little bit like the indices. It's actually the Apostles' Creed, right? There's the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. And then there's another one. I really enjoyed reading through this the other day. A Contemporary Affirmation of Faith. But what we're going to do is we're just going to read the first line together of the Apostles' Creed. And then we're going to take just a, a breath. And then we're going to read the first line of the Nicene Creed. Cool creeds. Awesome. A lot of this, too, actually is built not exactly into the CNMA statement of faith, but it's there embedded anyways. So let's read it together. 716, first line. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Yeah, he made it all, everything, seen and unseen, nothing, air, like gold, helium. He did it all, like he put it all together, right? All right. 717, first line, ready? The Nicene Creed, together. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things, visible and invisible. There it is, right? He did it all. There is nothing that he didn't do. Our God is incredibly creative. He's amazingly creative. Uh, when when Reg and I went on... Um, our honeymoon vacation, we went to Jamaica, and we were, Reg and I, I kind of dragged her with me years ago uh, after, after high school. I'm like, I want to be a marine biologist. That's what I wanted to be, like when I was growing up. I'm like, I want to be a marine biologist. So to do that, we need to go get certified as scuba divers. So I totally dragged her with me. I'm like, you're going to get certified with me in scuba. So we got certified in scuba. We bought some gear and everything. On our honeymoon, we were like scuba diving during, they had like two dives a day. There was a deep one that went down to like 90 feet, but it was amazing because the water was so warm, it felt like you were in the tub, even though you were down pretty deep. And they do another one later on in the day that was like at 30 feet. So many amazing things. And I just remember on that honeymoon, I remember I'm just looking at the stuff and I'm like, my friend made that. And I'm like trying to reach out. I'm like, that's why what we were diving on this one reef with the dive master. And he's like, all right, it's right off the edge of where the airport is in Montego Bay, if you've ever been to Jamaica. And there's this huge reef. It's like a giant drop-off. I mean, the water was so beautiful, but I couldn't see the bottom. So it was like hundreds of feet down, right? And so we're down there, and the dive master's like, "Mm -hmm," you know, doing a sign language thing. And he's like, "Mm -hmm." so I'm like, oh, he's talking about a ray. 
like a, like a big ray, and it was a moray eel. And I'm like, there were so many colors on the reef and everything, and I'm just kind of drifting along. And all of a sudden, I feel red. She's grabbing onto my shoulder. She's like, back up! Underwater, she's like, back up. The thing was like right in my face. I'm like, what? Do you remember that? <laughs> so some things I like to look at and be like, my friend made that. And there are some things, because of what our dad did, that you want to stay away from and observe them in a zoo. You know what I'm talking about? You don't want to get behind the bars. You want to stay behind them because they're dangerous. Although in the future, Jesus apparently is going to change that because the lion is going to lay down with the lamb. Kids are going to play with snakes, cobras, and stuff like that. So it's going to be nutty. But God made everything. He created everything. And here's the beautiful part. What did God create everything out of? Nothing. He made everything out of nothing. So Aiden asks for duct tape and matches and cardboard, right? That was inferred. He knew that the duct tape was going to come in something so he could use it to build something. But God made everything that there is out of absolutely nothing. God sent a command, like I'm real, I'm real visual. God sent a command into nothingness and something burst out of it. He sent a command and was like, in the beginning, I'm going to create the heavens and the earth. Let there be light. And when he did that, light emanated from who he was and he manifested something. He created something simply with a command. With his, with his voice, he created a com- He actually made stuff out of nothing. In the book of Romans, it says that God gives life to the dead and calls into existence things that do not exist. That's actually Romans 4.17. God gives life to the dead and calls into the existence the things that do not, that do not, that do not exist. So here's the thing. When Jesus said, hey, don't be surprised about this. There's a day coming when everyone who's dead is going to hear the voice of the Son of Man, and they're all going to come out of their graves. And they're just like, what, is, what in the world is this man talking about? He's crazy. Little did they know that he was the very one who actually commanded nothing and made something. It's not going to be any problem for Jesus to put my body back together, okay? It's not going to be a problem at all. He made everything that there is out of nothing, And my body is going to be dirt. It's going to be ashes, molecules probably. Like if he doesn't come back before I, before I, my, my physical body stops working. And my body's going to become, it's going to go back to the earth from which that he made it. And he's just going to call it back out. No big deal for our God. Big deal for us. I can't make hardly anything. I try and make stuff. I try to fix stuff. I usually break things. Like it's better. I found out a long time ago, like if something breaks, it's better to call like Reddy's dad in or whatever, because if I'm going to try and fix something, it's going to cost more money later. Because I'm really good at fixing stuff better. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I like break it worse. Like, it was broken. Now I really broke it. So now I'm going to have to really pay to have it fixed. But God isn't like that at all. He sends commands into nothingness and makes something out of nothing. And that's what he did. Again, in the book of Romans, from him and through him and to him are all things. He made everything. There is not one thing that he has made that, th- there is not one thing that exists that he did not make. You get it? Even the things that are like uh, pointing a fist in his face, he made it all. 
He did it all. Every single thing. Even the things that are stealing away his glory. Now, second part about that, the fact that God made everything, is that Jesus is involved in the creation. He made everything out of nothing, everything being everything that is not God, right? Because God existed and has forever existed. In fact, I love that. I love that. It's such a beautiful epic. The Bible is such a beautiful epic. But when Moses was like, all right, Lord, I mean, I don't really see Moses. It says that Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth, right? And I see him as like a, like a powerful presence. But in some of the passages that you read, it's like, yeah, man, he's really, he's learning to be broken. He's like, okay, I'm going to go. I'm not really good at talking. Uh, I'm going to need some help. And um, I know that you're real because I see the fire in the bush and everything. I know what you're doing and everything. But could you just tell me what your name is? And uh, when I go, because they're going to ask me, and he, and he says, I'm going to tell you what my name is. My name is I Am. That's my name. I Am. The self-existent one. It's so, it's so awesome. It just is the word to be. Like, I am the one who exists. I am existence itself. I am life. I am light. I am all in all. So when they ask you, Moses, who sent you, you just say that I am sent you. And they'll get it. Later on, Jesus used that name actually in the book of john it's so phenomenal like is that really for real that that really happened in the middle of his humiliation when they came in with all of their army all of the warriors coming in and all their armor to arrest him and they're looking for him and the sheep are about to be scattered he's been sweating blood all night long for you and for me and he's like who are you looking for and they're like saying we are looking for jesus i am and they all fall down i mean I want to see that, like in surround sound TV. I want to see what happened. And then they get up and arrest him anyways. Like, what? This is the blindness of sin. The blindness of it all. Jesus was there in the beginning, self-existent, existing with the Father and the Spirit, creating stuff out of nothing, including humanity. In the book of Colossians chapter 1, it says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. For by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, again, visible and invisible, again, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and they were all created for him. Yes, even Lucifer was made by Jesus for Jesus. How crazy is that? How crazy powerful is the God that we approach every week, every day? He's an uncontrollable fire. And he manifests himself in the simplicity of human form in such a loving and merciful way that we can relate with him. This is crazy. This is awesome. This is a God that's worthy of worship. This is a God who's worthy to follow and to give our all to, right? Okay, 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Yet for us there is one God, the Father, we just quoted that out of the creeds, right? From whom are all things and for whom we exist. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. That's like the creed right there. They stole it. They plagiarized from the Bible. Imagine that. Followers of God plagiarizing statements of faith word for word 
right out of the text that the Holy Spirit actually gives to us. One God, one Father, all things, invisible or invisible. He made them all and everything exists for Him. For Him. So you're getting to the hinge, right? Not for us. For Him. Hebrews 1-2. But in these last days, God has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom He also created the world. Can you imagine it? Jesus, I want you to make it all. Okay, can I have some duct tape and matches? No, you don't need duct tape and matches. You just need your voice. Call everything out of nothing and use the creativeness that we are together and our love and make something good. And he did it. Magnificent, right? Magnificent God. Worthy to be worshipped. Jesus, in addition to creating everything, holds today everything together. Even in our brokenness, the Bible says that not only did he make it all, not only do we exist for him, and that's the, per- the reason why this floor exists, the reason why the, the molecules of the fabric of the chair that we're sitting on exist, the reason for my heartbeat, the reason for my eyes, my mind, this building, the sun, the stars, everything exists for him and through him. And now the Bible says, in addition to that, that he holds it all together even in our rebellion. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, Hebrews 1.3, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Like he's holding it all together. Look at my goofy little flower. It's like this, like, it's kind of sad looking, but I love it anyways because it's, because it, I, I get attracted to broken things. But it's kind of like, it, he, he's holding these leaves together. The root system, the nourishment, the sun that it needs, the water molecules that it needs, the earth that it needs to live. He's holding it all together. If he didn't hold me together, I would blow apart. I wouldn't be able to maintain any sort of order. This goes for those who acknowledge Him and worship Him as well as for those who are set against Him. That's how magnificent His love is for all and His mercy forever and ever and ever. How phenomenal is this? In the, in the book of Genesis, there's a really cool name for God. It's actually based on the on a Hebrew word El, means power. Elohim, actually. I like it. Elohim. You want to say it with me? Elohim. So let's try it one more time. Elohim. So like, there's like passages, like it really unlocks the Psalms when you look at some of God's Old Testament names because it'll say something like, the Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. And there's actually three different names for God that mean every all different things. Like, Lord, my Adonai, the one whom I bow to, my warrior king, the one who I owe all allegiance to, the one who actually takes his sword and puts it on me and commissions me into missional warfare, my master, who is my Elohim, my creator, my master God, who is my Elohim, who is also El Elyon, the Lord on high, the Lord of hosts, who rules everything. I'm telling you, it's like... Oh my goodness, when we approach the throne of God, how magnificent is his name. 
How magnificent is his name? How phenomenal is this that God, our creator, Elohim, is the one who formed us? Now, here's the kicker. He didn't just take some dirt and put it together. By the way, you know that in the Bible? I love that because in the Bible, in the Bible, it actually says that, that the cries of babies are actually praise. That's why it's totally cool during service to let babies cry. Because what they're really doing is they're just like, Amen, Lord, I have life. You're holding me together. It's totally cool. Totally okay. All right, so here we go. Uh, um, So we have this idea, and there is a little bit of an idea, that God takes some mud, puts it together, breathes life into the mud, and now there's a living being, Adam. Eventually he puts Adam to sleep, takes some stuff out of his side, makes woman, woman, Eve, they actually form the very first marital union. He says, man, this is good. Go forth and multiply and subdue the earth. And then he just takes off. That's actually a real theory, by the way. There's a real, a real theological system that God just got the, got the thing going and then he leaves it there. He just left it. He got it all going and everything. He's still involved, but he's distant, right? But that's not the picture that the Bible puts forth at all. It actually puts forth that God is as much a creator of you and me and of our kids in the womb as he was of Adam. He is not just the creator of mankind. He is your maker. He's the maker of our two-year-old. That's why I'm like, every time she acts up, I'm like, this is totally your fault. Yeah, that's just me being Adam. That's me blaming the Lord for my bad choices. Because usually it's my fault that she's acting up. But you get the idea of what I'm talking about, right? So he made everything. He sends forth his spirit. Listen, right out of Psalms. He sends forth his spirit and they are created. In Psalm 139, what Claudia read, it says that God is involved in the creation of our children. It's not just a biological process. To actually say that and to believe that is to take away from the glory of God's creative ability and nature. We're sucking away glory, which in and of itself is sin, right? Not bringing glory to God or acknowledging who he is or what he has done. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. You're not just a biological happenstance where God started Adam and Eve at some point five, six thousand years ago and you're just a descendant. The Lord was involved in making you. He made you. In, the, in uh, Isaiah, woe to him who strives with him who formed him. Woe to him who strives with the one who formed him. In other words, let the maker do what the maker wants with you. Submit and find joy not imprisonment. Resist and find burden and sorrow. Isn't that the lie, the deceit? We actually believe the lie, and unfortunately, we end up living imprisoned many times rather than in the freedom. Point number two, we were made to image God. We were made to image him. In Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. I have this book. Do you guys have this? If you guys have kids, you should have this. 
It's not the Bible, but it's still cool, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? By the way, this one came from Tammy. Thank you, Tammy. (laughs) Hello, birds, God said. Hello, fish. Hello, animals. Hello. So God breathed life into Adam and Eve. And when they opened their eyes, the first thing they ever saw was God's face. I love this. It's not inspired scripture, but it's, it's, it's telling the story to our kids, right? And when God saw them, he was like a new dad. You look like me, he said. You're the most beautiful thing I've ever made. God loved them with all of his heart. And they, this is so critical, and they were lovely because he loved them. They were lovely because he loved them. Look, you look like me. You and me together, you're like an image of me. We're not God, but we're reflectors. We're the image. We're the, we're, he is the sun and we are the moon. We are made to actually reflect his beauty, his glory, his light, his joy, his happiness, his creative nature, everything about him. We don't all have it in pieces and parts. And I believe this is why church and body life is so critical because we put together like, I'm like a little tiny part of this little moon and you're another little part and you're another little part and the church is another little part. And when we get together, we have the full radiance of his glory in community manifested his love, his presence, his power, the invisible God who, who we cannot see and live made manifest visibly in the church because he says, I made man in his, in the image of me, in the image of God, he created them. We are not knockoffs. You know what I'm talking about? My son has this. This is hilarious. Okay. So I'm going to open this, right? So in this bag are, maybe you guys have heard about this before. This is a fidget spinner. Have you guys heard about fidget spinners? Have you played with them yet? Yeah, they're fun to play with, actually. There's something soothing about it when you just spin it in your hand. You're not looking at anything. There's something soothing. So this was like a phenomenon, like one of those, like a, like a cabbage patch phenomena. So uh, there's all kinds of these things that are like, I like this one. This one's really cool. It's like it spins super fast. This one actually spins for like three minutes when you get it going. And then there's some that are like cheaper ones, you know. They're like, you can tell like the bearings aren't all there and stuff like that. Or they're, this one's probably not going to last real long. Knock off, right? It's like a knockoff. I got this one for $1.99 or whatever. I bought that one at the gas station. That's uh, what, what I'm talking. We are not knockoffs of God. We're not. Everything about us individually, beautiful, everything, imaging. In Numbers it says, but truly as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of God, we were purposed to bring glory to God. The reason for our existence is to reflect the image of God. He actually made humanity to do this. Our existence, here it is, is not about us. It's actually about him. From our first breath or the creative process in the womb till the very end, we are simply trumpets pointing at the image and the glory and the beauty of God. We are His. We find our significance in the fact 
that we are made to be images of him, not knockoffs. Now think about this. So he makes a world filled with humanity, all imaging him. Pretty cool. Even those that don't submit the knee are imaging him. Every single one. And they're using some of their creative power that God gave to them in ways not to bring honor to him. Of course, our prayer and our mission is to draw them and to proclaim Christ and to make much of Jesus so that they will be drawn to him and bow the knee and find everlasting life. So in Isaiah chapter 43, I love this. This is actually a key verse for why was I made, Lord? Have you ever asked that question? And he actually says it plainly. One of the first ways to answer questions that you have about God or about yourself or about the world is to actually search the Bible. I think computers are great resources for actually doing this, or your phones now. Just go in there and start Googling some stuff. You guys have exhaustive concordances where you can look up every single occurrence of single verses in the Bible and actually read what the Bible has to say about something. Be careful. Don't take stuff out of context. But use technology to further your relationship with the Lord. That's my take. So here's what he says in Isaiah chapter 43. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory. Everyone that he has created, he has created for a purpose to love them. And in the purpose of God loving humanity, then for us to return that love in a magnificent thing that we call glory, which is hard to define. But it's kind of like this in my mind. Ah, you know what I'm talking about? It's like pointing to him. It's the, it's the big sign in the middle of the night or the, the, the spotlight in the storm, the, 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 the mission to point the way to Christ. Not because we have to, but because that's what we were made to do. We find our purpose in it. We find our joy in it. And in Ephesians, it actually says that those whom Christ has redeemed, that we hope in Christ to the praise of his glory. To the praise of his glory. That's our mission, the glorification of God. Fashioned by him. Oh, here's a hard one, ready? This one's not easy. But I gotta throw it out there because it's just such a difficult thing to think about. So in, the, in Psalm 139, it says that God was involved in our creation that he knit us together that we're fearfully and wonderfully made that we are beautiful that we reflect who he is and one of the questions that comes up it's actually an argument is well what about people with disabilities that are born with disabilities maybe you are a mom or a dad or related to someone who was born with disabilities or maybe at some point later on, um, something happened in your life that brought disabilities in, whether physical or uh, mental or emotional or however it looks. Is God involved in that? Or is he a part? Did he just get the world spinning at the beginning, like I said? Or was he involved? This is what God says in Exodus when Moses was arguing with the Lord about whether or not he could speak. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, I'm not going to answer this. I can't answer this. It's a deep 
thing that we need to seek out with the Lord, depending on your experience. But I am going to quote what God said himself. The Lord said to him, who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? He knows exactly what he is doing. He does not make mistakes. Every decision that he makes is perfect. He never changes his mind. He never says, oops, or I need to start over. It never, ever, ever happens. Ever. Ever. In John chapter 9, we have another story very similarly when the disciples looked out and said, Hey, Lord, who sinned that made this man to be born blind? Did his mom mess up really bad? Or was his dad like just really like live for the world? And so they, in, they inherited through their bad choices a child that was born blind? Is that what happened? The disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or was it his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. There are some lights in the sky that shine brighter than other lights. There are some that don't shine as brightly. It is not our choice, it is his. Now let me tell you something that will really blow your mind, and probably some of you have already been thinking about it. Sometimes I think that people that I have met that have been born with disabilities are shining brighter than people who believe they don't have any disabilities. How freakish is that? But doesn't that fit right into the economy of what God does, who says that he resists the pride and gives grace to the humble? He resists the pride and gives grace to the humble. I'm not telling you anything that's going to make your life easier if you have challenges that you're facing, either yourself or your families. But what I am saying is, He is involved in the creation of you and he knows exactly what he's doing. The Bible is true and you can trust it. Even when you feel like it's a lie. Even when you feel like it's a lie. Fashioned by God. We depend, lastly, we depend on our creator for everything. We're his creation. We are dependent upon him. In Acts, I love this verse. I think about it frequently. Because sometimes, have you ever gotten up in the morning and like you wake up, it's like first light and you're just laying there? This happens to me occasionally. And I'm just like, I, I can't even get out of bed without you, Lord. Like I don't even want to move a muscle right now. Like because if I move in one direction, something's going to hurt. Or I'm going to have to roll, like I'm just going to have to roll like out of bed or whatever. Or, or in other times, it's just an emotional stillness that I'm like, I cannot move without you. I am not. And so in the book of Acts, it says that in God, we live and move and we have our being. For we are indeed his offspring. In Job, it says, in his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Every breath that I breathe, every heartbeat that I take, every step that I make that my Fitbit counter counts, 
The cells that hold my Fitbit together are being held together by him. He knows them all. Every single one. And Jesus, when he was tempted, you know this one, when Satan came to him in the wilderness and said, hey, you're hungry? Turn those rocks to bread and then you can eat something. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Every breath, every step, every thought, every heartbeat. My definition of what is beautiful, my definition of what is ugly, my definition of what is light and what is dark. Every single thing stemming from the Creator, Elohim, everyone. We're only happy when we're making much of Him. So I have my plant, put my glove on, and what we do, this is not a, good, a perfect illustration, but what we do is we uproot ourselves when we, when we begin to lack faith or we begin to say, I'm going to live on my own. We're like this flower, pulling ourselves up from our nourishment. We're like this flower, removing ourselves from our creator, from the earth, from the water, from everything else. And what's going to happen when I take this flower and I throw it out on the road out there on a hot day? And that's what happens when we make choices to separate ourselves from our creator. And we do that not... It's really sneaky when they sneak up on us like this because something happens in our life and we get angry. We might not even really realize that we're doing it and we, we begin to actually cut the roots like one at a time. We're like, yeah, he failed me there and then he failed me over there and then he failed me there and then there and then there and then before we know it, we're a dead plant on the road getting driven over by cars. It should break our heart. We need to remain steadfast and immovable in Him. We need to realize that we need to be planted in Him, and not only that, we need to grow deeper, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult. We need to press on towards the prize to the very end. Yes, yes, even giving our lives for this, it is worth it because this is going to be put back together. The end of me on this earth is not the end of me. You with me? It's not. It's not even the beginning. It's barely a beginning. 70 years. It's barely a beginning. You and me. I'm going to end with this just one more time. Just because it's old. And when they opened their eyes, the first thing they ever saw was God's face. And when God saw them, he was like a new dad. Abba, Father. It's right out of those scriptures, right? You look like me, he said. You're the most beautiful thing I've ever made. And God loved them with all of his heart. And they were lovely because he loved them. And he knew Adam's rebellion. And he knew the choice that it was going to make, not only in creating but eventually to release his son into the world as a human being and ultimately to take sin on himself, the sinless one, so that we might be redeemed. And once again, we might recognize, I am lovely 
because you are lovely. Everything that I am wrapped up in you, Jesus. Father, we give you thanks that you have made us with a purpose. We are not alone. We want to bring glory to you. We want to honor you with everything that we are. And once again, as much as is possible this morning, by your grace, we take our lives. We recognize that you are our Elohim and we lay ourselves on the altar of praise and we say, it is not our life, but yours. This is not my breath, but yours. Come, fill us with your glory and help us to walk in a way that is pleasing to you and redeem the minutes for the days are evil. In Jesus' name, amen.